0: full steam ahead for VCs or will European venture break apart like the Titanic? After more than a decade of booming activity for Europe's venture scene, VCs must now contend with Covid-19. In today's episode we'll be asking how the venture ecosystem is moving forward, when we can expect activity to return to normal and what the long-term effects of this latest challenge will be in this episode of the Unquote Private Equity podcast. Hello listener and welcome. We're recording from home today to discuss this week's topic, venture in the time of coronavirus. We've got an interview with Norman Fiore, general partner and co-founder at Dawn Capital, discussing when we can expect the venture ecosystem to return to normal, if there are opportunities that will arise from the coronavirus crisis, and what the venture fundraising market currently looks like. To help me with that, I have my esteemed colleague, Greg Jeal, unquote editor. Welcome, Greg.
1: Hi, Kat, really good to be here.
0: Thanks for joining us. And also joining us, we have Harriet Matthews, our DAC region reporter. Hi, Harriet. Hi, thank you for having me. No, thanks, thanks for joining. Um, so, Greg, why don't we kick off with you? Certainly, the public opinion of, of venture investors might be that they're the younger, more technologically advanced cousins of private equity, um, or at least that's that's how some of some of us think of think think of them. Um, but have you heard much about how they're coping in the remote working environment and if they're struggling to make investments without being face to face with founders?
1: Um, yeah, that's a good question. That's uh, that's indeed the traditional view of, of venture players, isn't it, as being more in tune with the times. Um, So to speak, I think that downplays the fact that they're still investment professionals, obviously, Um, often with a very specific workflow that can be quite hard to shake off. Um, So I was talking to a French VC the other day called Isai and the founder was saying that um, they were starting to to look at deal flow, uh, especially as lockdown was being eased in France. But he said, uh, to be honest, as much as as video calls are good to initiate contact, uh, it's very unlikely they'd ever sign anything before meeting management face to face. I think what's interesting there is that as much as uh, VCs may be more technology-driven, I think that the founders of a startup are obviously a major linchpin in any VC investment thesis, because they want to understand their vision of the business, um, see how they interact with each other, get that, that proper personal relationship and trust going. So it's not said that that's not important for PE2, uh, obviously it is, especially for management buyouts and the like, uh, but they've always been less wary of shaking things up with management if need be um especially the further you go on on the business maturity and and scale axis
0: yeah definitely and and i think um certainly some investors feel even more keenly on on that front um the more kind of pre seed the investment is um also i was wondering have the stats been reflecting the turmoil that we've we've seen in the market
1: um so q1 was actually pretty solid, Um, although the aggregate value of of venture and growth investments was down just a little bit uh, compared with Q4. I think it it settled on about 8.2 billion euros. Um, That was actually a fair bit higher than the the comparable period last year, and and deal flow actually went up to um, to to finish on about 500 odd deals, I think, uh, which was, again, a a sizable increase on the Q1 uh, 2019 figure uh, and higher than Q4s. But that was obviously Q1, which is uh, certainly was a game of two halves, to, to use that well-worn cliche. Um, Q2 really isn't looking too good so far. So we only own about 250 deals, I think, um, with about half the average value of the previous three quarters. So obviously we still have uh, June to go through um, and, and I'm sure the research team will uh, be busy inputting some deals from, from May as well still. Uh, but my guesstimate would still be that we'll probably see a 30, 40% drop uh, compared to let's say Q3, Q4 last year. Um, and clearly the, the news show that some businesses aren't struggling to to attract interest. Uh, we've had some some pretty big rounds um, including I think a recent one being Compton Square raising $190 million. In Series D, so in that sense, I think VCs are potentially a bit more sheltered compared to their PE counterparts because obviously the one thing they haven't got to worry about too much is the, the sort of lack of, of debt financing, uh, which really really put a dent in in M and A figures.
0: Okay, great, thanks for that, Greg. Um, and Harriet, over to you. Um, how how has the DAC market in particular been reacting to the coronavirus? Are there are there any other trends that are unique to the to the DAC region? Well,
2: um, I think the stats are quite interesting to start with for, for the Dach region, just to build on what Greg's been saying. Um, Q1 2020 was actually a record year for the Dach region, or a record quarter, rather, um, in terms of the number of deals. There were 137 deals done, although in terms of aggregate value, it was there was a, a fairly significant gap. Um, so there were €2 billion Euros worth of deals completed. Um, nevertheless, looking to Q2, Um, There have been 79 deals so far, um, totalling uh, just over €800 million, so already there is set to be probably a fairly significant drop. In spite of that, though, there is a bit of a turning point in terms of attitude, I think, coming, particularly given that lockdowns are easing somewhat. Investors are cautiously optimistic in the region, I would say.
0: Oh, great. Okay. Well, thank you very much for making sense of that for us, Harriet. uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be back to hear more from Harriet and Greg on Venture Trends. But first, an interview with Dawn Capital's Norman Fiore on the shape of the venture ecosystem post-COVID-19. Hi, Norman. Thanks so much for joining us
3: pleasure to be here.
0: So my first question um, that I wanted to ask you about was that you recently wrote an article uh, entitled Our Common Future Got a Little Bit Dimmer, Um, but you suggested in that article that you're potentially expecting a slow recovery from the economy. What long-term effects do you think this is going to have on the European venture ecosystem?
3: Sure, so in terms of the slow recovery, so we're not expecting a v-shaped recovery. If you were thinking... In how the business was in February or March, tech was hot. Budgets were fat and people were spending uh, a lot with startups. Our house view of the recovery is that the pandemic was obviously very bad, a big shock. A lot of uh, IT buyers stopped buying tech. But really for us, the concern is the recession that we're expecting over the next eight to 20 months. If you look at stats since 1970. That's the duration of recessions. And if you look at what's actually happening overnight, the University of Chicago had a report that of the 12 million people unemployed in the U.S. since the pandemic, they expect 40% to be permanent. So we think that enterprises have spent cash just keeping alive. Governments have taken on debt. Balance sheets of families have also been hit. So we expect a substantial recession going forward. So that's that's bad for, for the economy. Focusing on venture specifically. So we've actually advised our startups, and in most cases they've they've taken the advice, to cut headcount. And so when they choose where to cut, we've indicated that they should keep their tech intact and exit the recession with a better product and more blue water versus competitors than, than when they entered. And really to look at sales and marketing, which right now is is fat. But what it means is that having cut sales and marketing, they physically can't sell as much as they could before. So so there is going to be an adverse effect, I would say, across uh, venture. But let me now jump to why, why this could be good news. Long term for venture, specifically in Europe, but really across the world. So venture is essentially the story of, of David versus Goliath happening over and over and over again. So David is is a small startup, nimble, good technology, and Goliath represents the competitor, the incumbent, very strong, uh, has cash and other resources, well known in the market. But the one thing that Goliath is not is nimble. He has the advantage that the, the deck is stacked in his favor, but once the deck gets shuffled, then Goliath is in trouble. And that's what startups love. They love when there's, when there's chaos. And clearly this pandemic has caused a complete reshuffling of, of how people work. Um, so in my lifetime, there's been many changes and most of them were tech-led that helped startups. So the move from client server to web, to mobile, to cloud, to AI. And now we have an unusual one that has to deal with how people will organize if they will work remotely from from home or other new changes. So I'm very excited to see what new ideas come out and I'm very bullish on uh on venture going forward in the in the medium term.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, um considering that kind of mindset that you currently have, how how do you think LPs approach to venture investing will change? Do you, do you think the the fundraising environment will suffer in venture?
3: So I think at the margin, it, it must. Because as I mentioned before, in, in February, the market was hot. Clearly, the market is not hot today. I would say across the board, uh, companies are, are lowering their budgets for the year. So there will be a couple of reasons why LPs will, will be less giving money. One is technical. If they have a mixture of public and private, and their public portfolio is worth less. They'll have to rebalance away from us. But I would say more the marginal investor that dips in and out of venture, seeing the, an uncertain business environment, I suspect that they're going to pause their investment into an illiquid class, which is what we are, despite the higher returns. So I think, I think the elegant way people say it is, is a flight to quality, which is going to affect GPs, but it's also going to affect companies.
0: Makes sense for sure. So um, certainly, I think we've witnessed, an, unquote, a dip in the number of venture deals, both volume and, and not, not so much value, but certainly volume. When do you think venture deals and their volume and um, perhaps their value, if you've any, seen any changes on that front, uh, when do you think that they'll return to their kind of pre, pre-crisis
3: levels? Yes, yeah, so I, um, I think two things need to, need to be there for there to be a bullish venture market. One is there has to be lots of capital and despite what i just said about lps being more reticent there's plenty of cash flying around the second bit which is more challenging is attractive places for the capital to go and the challenge there is that historically you've had a whole class of vcs there are ones that were looking for 100 to 200% growth and they would pay say 15 to 20 time multiples perhaps other vcs were targeting 50 to 100% they might pay 10 or 12 times multiples But now that IT spend has seized up, all of those those growth rates have come down. And so VCs are gonna have to readjust their expectations, certainly in the short term, as to what's an attractive deal. So some VCs are gonna step out and wait for for this moment to pass and for IT spend to come back. And at that moment, you'll have the full participation of, of all the VCs. So that I would expect to take through all of next year. I suspect next year is going to be a recession. And then beyond that, we'll get back to the good old days. And some VCs <laughs> instead will see through the, the lower growth and keep investing in these great assets.
0: Okay, interesting. So um, I, I read in your article that you write um, about some specific areas where you think technology can flourish to help along industries that perhaps may lag in the time of the coronavirus. And I was just wondering, would you consider kind of encouraging founders into these areas where you think they might be able to flourish or perhaps taking a more hands-on approach at the incubation stage or the pre-seed stage at Dawn Capital?
3: Yeah, so I think one, one easy example is I hate Zoom. Um, it doesn't schedule loop breaks, there's no lunch breaks, and I'd be great if, if there was some startup that could limit these types of interactions to say six hours a day. But, but more, more seriously... I think every VC would love to be the oracle of, of where the next hot thing is. But I think in reality, although the idea is important of wherever you choose to go, it's not the most important thing. Whenever we see a great idea or a good idea, there are usually three, four, or even a dozen a dozen startups chasing that very same idea. So what really counts is a, is a deep, deep market that's, that's underserved and great execution skills. So for startups, I would, for entrepreneurs, I would urge them to see where, where they are and whether they're frustrated by what they're seeing in their own environment and to look for those, those two things, the underserved market um, and their ability to, to do something about it. If, on the other hand, entrepreneurs are don't have that idea, then I would urge them to do what we're doing. And what, what we're doing is we're looking at function by function Every, every VC always has a two-by-two, two. marketing, sales, finance, IT, procurement, HR, all the different functions of our organization. And we're looking at what changes from this COVID crisis are permanent and putting those across the top, whether it's people being remote, the challenges about continuity of supply, digitalization, providing security to this new world, and figuring out which of the boxes intersecting the two are really, really exciting or interesting. So some. Types of ideas are, for example, in HR, how do you, for example, onboard people remotely? If if startups are growing their headcount 50% a year and and a startup might have 600 people, how do you bring off 300 people remotely that aren't going to interact physically with other people? If you think about procurement, how do you find new suppliers if you're unhappy with the ones that are far away that have not served you well in the past? If you think about IT, how do you physically provide equipment to your employees working from home? How do you provide security to these people? And for example, in sales, you have enterprise sales reps staying at home, trying to be, trying to learn how to sell remotely. So there's a lot of new opportunities for entrepreneurs, and I would urge them to think about it in in, a, in this formal method. Certainly, food for for thought. Um,
0: I wanted to ask you also about your previous experience with Mimecast. I understand that you were working with them through the last uh, global financial crisis of 2008. And I just wondered, how will the development of technology be different now to that particular set of circumstances? What kind of major trends do you think we'll be seeing?
3: Yeah, so that's that's at the nub of, um, of the value of startups provide. Does it does it change over time? Is there a, a downside startup in the global financial crisis startup, a pandemic startup? Um, so I guess I would answer that to say what what doesn't change and. In 20 years of having uh, having startups pitch to me, I've never had one come up and say, well, our technology is worse and our technology is more expensive. Every single time you can count on a startup having a better cost base and therefore being able, if they chose to, to provide a cheaper alternative to the incumbents and also a better product. So then you have these two levers And then you choose how to apply them during different economic cycles. So in a recession, for example, ROI becomes far, far more important. And so you would push the price lever far more than the the better lever. But you don't want to build companies for, for any particular cycle because the cycle will change. And so you need to build a business that has these two levers that can operate really in any cycle.
0: Makes sense, absolutely. Um, so in a venture ecosystem that's uh, seen previously high-performing companies rage, raise large amounts of money very quickly and worst performers kind of struggle to raise smaller amounts, you know, this sort of bifurcation that certainly entered into the um, into the private equity environment as well. Uh, do you think this environment will continue post-COVID-19? And if so, how can VCs kind of remain competitive?
3: So I, th- I think this is a, an opportunity because... Um... In the past, I think VCs have had it easy. In a boom environment, it's quite easy to tell the potential of a business. You look at their growth rates, how they're performing, and that, that gives you a lot, of, a lot of comfort. And so before we talked about the flight to quality, there are some businesses that are still performing well um, or that were known to be great businesses, and those are getting, those are getting the big checks. So for, for me, I would say the opportunity is to look at those other businesses that have been affected but that you can see through them a great opportunity in a different type of environment. So I'm very bullish on the environment. Um, I think there's gonna be uh, a challenge for businesses that aren't showing great stats because that's how the business has been in the past. But on that, I see a great opportunity for for VCs that can see beyond uh, just the, the, the top metrics.
0: All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time, Norman. Uh, it's much appreciated from everyone at the Unquote Private Equity podcast.
3: It's been my pleasure. Thank you.
0: So that was Dawn Capital's Norman Fiore there. Greg, we heard from Norman on when he thinks the venture ecosystem might return to kind of some sense of normalcy. When do market participants that you've been speaking to think that deal volume might return to normal levels?
1: I think there's a couple of issues there. First of all, a lot of people uh, tend to talk themselves into a crisis a little bit. Um, So we'll hear from a fund saying they're locked and loaded to do deals ASAP, uh, but that might not happen. Um, And even if they did that would most likely remain anecdotal from a statistical point of view if that makes sense um because of course i mean some vt houses will be quicker to get back on the front foot uh, because their current portfolio is more shielded they've got more pressure to deploy in all the fund perhaps or they they're just less risk averse than others uh but some will invariably want to see how businesses are affected first uh, maybe continue market mapping see who's come out of the uh, the whole COVID situation on top etc etc i mean i'd be very surprised if if q3 even q4 uh, matched the, the comparable periods last year uh, which is when you know that the people that we've been speaking to generally say that uh, they, they see activity going back in uh, in a significant way uh, the scenario that's outlined by norman is highly plausible but of course i, I hope i'm wrong
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and Harriet, Norman mentioned a few sectors there that are likely to perhaps get a bit more attention in in the wake of the coronavirus crisis. Um, and obviously, you're on the ground reporting on venture deals over the last couple of months. Have you seen any sector trends?
2: So I think what I would certainly echo a lot of what's already been said. Um, VCs are really looking for how companies are taking advantage of or adapting to the current situation. Sectors such as telemedicine and e-learning are certainly ones that they're looking at. Really anything that allows people to do things remotely or flexibly or takes advantage of an opportunity that has come up in overcoming the practical difficulties of getting things done under lockdown. We've seen companies like Zenjob that offers temporary staffing solutions for areas including the food industry. We've seen companies such as TaxFix, which offers tax rebates online and allows people to get things done under the the current environment. And we've also seen VCs such as Wellington Partners backing SERS Therapeutics, which is really a a company designed to work on uh, clinical trials and development of um, drugs in order to treat coronavirus. So I would say those have been the main sectors and uh, certainly some of the companies that we're going to to see being backed and looked into um even as lockdowns ease
0: mm, absolutely and uh, and greg norman painted perhaps a slightly bleak picture for the near-term future of the venture fundraising environment uh, are there any reasons to think european venture might still be attractive to lps in the next couple of years
3: Well, in
1: theory, yeah, absolutely, and for the very reasons that he highlighted and uh, Harriet mentioned as well when looking at the sectors that should uh, come out on top of this. The long-term effects of the pandemic should favor the types of businesses that VCs love to invest in. And we've just detailed what these are. So savvy LPs should want to get in on the ground floor of that next cycle, uh, potentially at lower valuations as well, um, if uh, if we're looking at what's going on across the board um, in, in the PE space and what players are, are potentially looking at. So we could be looking at great vintages to be had returns-wise in 2020-2021. I was also quite surprised when uh, taking a quick look at the Encore database. Uh, venture fundraising actually rebounded a little bit quicker in, in relative terms, of course, uh, compared to uh, their P counterparts, as in buyout funds, in the aftermath of the GFC. So historically, there, there hasn't been that massive, massive drop off. We're currently seeing examples of VC fundraise successfully going through um, VI partners reaching a first close. We had um, the first close for ESI as well, who we've mentioned previously. Um, ParTech closing its third seat fund on hundred million dollars recently. So that's that's all reasons to be cheerful. But uh, there is always a but. Um, European venture has always been a tougher sale compared to its P counterpart. And also U.S. Venture, although that tide seemed to be turning a little bit in the past two, three years. Where that leaves VC funds on the road will be quite tough to predict for a little while. But at least I'll wager that the best players shouldn't struggle too much to raise capital if and when they do go back to market. If they've got the track record, if they've got the brand name that goes with it, uh, provided the macro situation doesn't get completely out of hand in the second part of the year.
0: Mm, and that is a that's a big if. Um, Well, there are a lot of opportunities for the venture ecosystem, but uh, a lot of obstacles and pitfalls as well. Um, I'm afraid that's all we have time for this week. Do look out for an upcoming special on technology due diligence. Please take the opportunity to subscribe to the Unquote Private Equity podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or of course, continue listening on Unquote.com. A very big thank you to our two panellists today, to our special guest, Norman Fiore, and as As always, a big thank you to you too, listener. Speak to you soon.